Well, we start a new series this morning called Instimacy. And we live in a world that is fast-paced and moves so very quickly. Between relationships and our just day-to-day life, it seems to be so hectic. You have the 24-hour news cycle that lets you know what's happening in the world the moment it happens. You have things like um, 24-hour shipping now, or Amazon, which came out with a few years ago, two-day shipping, which everyone signs up for and jumps in because we've got to have it and we have it now. And the beauty of it is you get it in a couple of days. And as they've kind of experimented, they've gone on to things like same-day delivery. And now, even in some metropolitan areas, um, one-hour delivery, which is, is insane, where a, a drone takes your package from a shipping warehouse, flies it, and leaves it on your front doorstep, which, interestingly enough, has not caught on in East Texas. Like, how was the hunting trip? It was great. I got two mallards and a crock pot. You order your groceries online, you pull up into a grocery store, and someone loads them into your car, and you drive off. You have friendship with the click of a mouse or the touch of a screen. Now you're instantly connected and friends. And yet, with this desire for relationships, we also have this desire for it to happen and to happen quickly. Because we expect the speed that everything else moves to transfer into our relationships. But the bottom line is that relationships cannot and do not move as quickly. And my guess is if you've been around for a while, you've discovered that relationships at times can be downright difficult. Connecting with another person on an intimate level can be frustrating and can be hard, and can be a struggle. And so I want to start this series, and just kind of to throw out all the cards, this series ultimately is about marriage. But what you're going to find is the concepts that we're going to talk about are so much deeper that this is going to connect with you and relate to you, regardless of whether you are married or single, divorced or widowed, engaged or searching. This is simply about relationships. And next week, we'll kind of continue on in this thought with this conference based around relationships. But I think the best place to begin this conversation is in the beginning. Because in the beginning, God spoke into the darkness and created the light. And God said that the light was good and there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And then God separated the expanse above and the expanse below and creates water and separates it from the sky. And then God separates the water from the land and creates these trees that have vegetation and produce fruit that people will be able to eat and will sustain Life And then on the fourth day, God puts this sun in the sky to govern the day in this moon that looks like a banana. 
to govern the darkness of the night. And then on the fifth day, God fills the sky with birds that fly and fish that fill the waters. And then on the sixth day, God creates animals, little dogs with sweaters that their owners will carry around on leashes. And little, little kittens that will eat all your food and sit on your couch and be lazy all day. And God said, wait, I didn't create those. And God said it was good. But the pinnacle of this creation is this image bearer that he calls man. And he puts within this man a heart, not just simply that pumps blood, that can feel and experience life and be in relationship with one another. And then, for the first time in this creation project, God looks and says, this is not good. This is not good that this man is alone. And so I'm going to make this helper. And this helper is going to be a helpmate to this man. And over time, man starts to develop a relationship. But what's really interesting in this relationship is each of these individuals have different needs. They need food, they need water, they need clothes, they need to be loved and have this relationship with one another. They need safety, they need to feel safe and they need to feel secure. They need to feel like they belong, like they have a purpose for living, for being together. They have different ideas. They have different purposes they think their life fulfills. They have different ways that they handle conflict. They have different ways that they process the events that they've been through. They're going to come from different families that have done things a different way than everyone else. And what you learn over time is these different things start to define who you are more and more and more and more. And they start to define this person more and more and more and more. And the older you get, the more defined they become. And what happens is there is a space between. A space between that has to be managed for this relationship to happen. And at first it begins really simply, with just reaching out and saying hi. Maybe it's a smile. But you reach out to that person and you wait to see how they will respond. And if they 
will respond in kind as you responded to them. And the crazy thing about it is to simply reach out to this other person creates in this space vulnerability. Because to enter into this space means you have to be vulnerable to another person. Because you're offering yourself, whether it's simple like a hello, or it's more complex like I love you. You're giving a piece of yourself to another person, and vulnerability is entering into this space, and you have no idea how they will respond to your vulnerability. And what happens over time is we put ourselves out there and people don't respond the way we want to. And what begins to fill this space where vulnerability once was able to flow is now fear. Because when we put ourselves out there and people don't respond the way that we want them to, then fear begins to set in and we're less and less likely to make ourselves vulnerable to this other person. But then, you meet that person where there is the connection. You meet that person and you make the phone call and say, hey, you want to go out on a date? You say, hey, let's go grab some coffee. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's go on a run for, together. Let's go to an amusement park. Let's do something together. And they respond and say, yes. And as you give, they give. And there is this flow that is created here in the middle. This flow that's created as you give of yourself and they return and give back to you. Now, most of you have been in these relationships and you understand how this works. When I was in college... My fifth year, we were living off campus, and I had a friend um, named Ben, and we had gone to the Dollar Tree to stock up as we were starting the year with cleaning supplies, and as we're in the, the store looking, we grab some um, bleach, and we grab some Comet cleaner, and we grab some other things, and then in the middle of the Dollar Tree in Searcy, Arkansas, you see these two kind of grown men start to have an argument. No, we don't need Comet. We need 409. And you think, okay, it's no big deal. But then it comes back. No, we need Comet. No, we need 409. And our voices started to raise, and we started to get in each other's face Two 22-year-old men fighting over cleaning supplies. And then it comes out. You don't understand. That's what my mom used to use. And those families and those processes and those conflicts and those purposes and those ideas all start to enter in to that space between. And now where vulnerability 
once was, now there is fear. Fear of safety. Fear of my ideas not being heard. Fear of my family being forgotten. And you think, okay, that's, that's pretty simple and it's, it's kind of funny and comical. But here's the deal, is that is the way relationships work every single day. And what happens is vulnerability is crowded out. Fear begins to find its place. It begins to find a foothold. So in the book of Romans, chapter 5, Paul talks about basically this relationship. Not with humans with one another, but with Christ and humanity. And he begins in verse 12. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to all people, because all have sinned. So what he says in Romans, that's a five. Death and sin enter the world through one man. And the same is true today. Death still enters the world. Sin still enters the world through one man. But the one man isn't just simply Adam, it's you and I. And we have this tendency to start to think that our sin only affects us. Well, it's just an addiction to pornography. It just affects me. It's just my problem with anger or my temper. It just affects me. It's just an affair between this person and it just affects me. But what you know and what I know is your sin does not stop at you. And the reason you know that is because other people's sin has spilled out into your relationship. It doesn't just spill out into this person. It doesn't just affect you. It begins to fill this void as well. And it begins to break down the relationship. And sin begins to fill this gap. Sin breaks the flow of that relationship and it becomes so difficult to move past. And what happens over time is more and more sin fills this gap as the tendency for the flow of this relationship to stop. And where it was easy to communicate and where we had this great relationship and everything was fine, now sin finds itself in the gap, breaking down the relationship. Now if you think back to Genesis chapter 3, this is the very thing that happens in the beginning. As God creates a man, He creates a woman, and He has this relationship with them as He's giving and giving and giving and giving good gifts to them. And he's in relationship with them. And the vulnerability that fills this space is returned. As man and woman love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. And they're in this relationship. But then there's this one tree in the center of the garden that God says, don't eat from this tree. And what happens when man and woman eat from this tree? 
this connection is broken because sin now enters the picture. The flow stops. See, here's the problem. It's things at that point can derail. At that point, things can stop. The relationship can be broken, and you can say, we're going to go our separate ways. You know, we said till death do us part, but that's not going to be the case. We said we were going to be friends forever, but that's not going to work anymore. Because sin is wedged between us and created this void. Because in this moment in the garden, as you look back, it's not just this connection with God that was broken. It was also the connection with man and woman that was broken. Man and man and woman and woman that was broken. These friendships, these these core relationships were shattered because sin entered the picture. And so here's what goes on as, as he continues, to be sure Sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. So so this gift that's been given is returned with sin. There's this trespass against the other person. And the gift that's given back is not like the trespass. For in the many, for in if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow? to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift flowed, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So this relationship that's broken by sin, that flow between one another, can only be restarted through grace. Through one person in the relationship making the decision to offer grace and making himself vulnerable once again. Not not to return the sin, not to return the pain with pain and sin, but to simply give grace is the only way the relationship can begin again. And skipping down to verse 20, he says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, 
so also grace must reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This relationship that is broken and fractured and shattered by sin is only restarted through grace. And if grace is not allowed to fill this space between, resentment will. And resentment is kind of like termites. It's interesting. Every year they say in the U.S. there is more property damage that is done by termites than all fire, wind, natural disasters in America. Every single year in our country, there's more done damage done by termites than natural disasters, fire, theft, all those types of things that destroy property. And the crazy thing is you don't see it until it's too late. You don't see it until the effects and the damage has been done. And where grace is not offered, resentment sets in. And you become bitter towards that other person. And you're driving down the road and you're having an imaginary conversation with them. Of what you would like to tell them. Or how things should work. Or what needs to be done. But in that space, the only way that the relationship can be restored is for grace to be offered. The only way, as Jesus does here, is for grace to be given. And Paul says, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so grace is given, and sin is returned. And grace is given, and sin is returned. And this is the cycle from the beginning. But what Jesus does in this beautiful picture of grace is he starts to take on this new form of what love looks like. It looks like a cross. And where sin reigns, grace increases all the more. And as sin continues, grace increases all the more. It's almost as if this loving God This Jesus continually gives and gives and gives and gives of himself to keep that relationship that's broken whole. To to restore continually what we break. But what it means when we say we're going to follow Jesus, it means that that pattern right there becomes the pattern for our life. It becomes the pattern for our marriage. It becomes the pattern for our friendships and our relationships. Because here's the deal. People will let you down. 
I don't know a lot of things. I do know that there will be things that people will do that will disappoint you, that will let you down, that will frustrate you, and that will make the relationship difficult. And most of the time, our desire, our initial, our inclination is to respond in return. The same thing that was done to us, we want to do to them. But where sin increased, it was grace that increased all the more. See, here's the part where you start to think through all of the relationships that you have that are broken. The part where you start to think about how they said this about you. Or how they promised and they didn't follow through. Or how they let you down. Or how they didn't meet your expectation. And so many times when we think about our broken relationships, our focus, our thoughts immediately go to the other person across the table from us. If they hadn't done this, if they hadn't said this, if they had followed through on their promise, then everything would be okay. This wouldn't be a problem. The relationship wouldn't be broken. And Matthew, as Jesus is coming towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the plank out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, Jesus hits on something pretty powerful here. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you're eyes have the ability to see about 180 degrees around you. You can see things right about here. And if they get much further back, you might be able to see them. Maybe it goes a little bit further. But of all the directions your eyes can look, you know one direction they cannot possibly look? Inside. They can only see out. And Jesus asked this question, why do you only look at the speck in your brother's eye and not look at the plank in your own eye? It's easy to see out. It's easy to see the problem across the table. It's easy to see the the problem on the other side of the space between. But it takes a different kind of eyes to be able to see within. Here's the truth. In every relationship you have ever had and ever will have, There is one common denominator. There there is one person that's been at the center of every argument you've ever had, every disagreement you've ever had, 
every conflict you've ever had, every breakup you've ever had. And that's you. You are the one constant in every failed relationship, every relational struggle you have ever had. When I was in Cleburne in youth ministry, I think I've told you all this before, but there was a kid that we went to eat, I went to eat with every, basically Thursday. I'd pick him up from school. He was autistic and he really struggled making friends and fitting in. And we're sitting in, in Sonic one day, sitting in the car talking. He's saying, you know, this person says this, and this person does this, and this person does this, and talking about how difficult these relationships are. And I said, do you know what a common denominator is? Oh, yeah. I mean, the kid's super smart. Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. What's the common denominator in every relationship that you have? They don't like me. No. No, the, the one constant in every relationship that you have ever had and ever will have is you. The only person who has the ability to try to restart the flow of that relationship is you. And in that relationship that looks, if we follow Jesus and we're trying to become more and more and more and more like Him, that the relationship starts to resemble this cross-shaped life. This life of self-sacrificing love that gives up ourselves for the good of another person. It's where grace or where sin increased. That grace increased all the more. The one constant. The one who has the ability to fix what is broken is you. But here's the beautiful part of this equation. That at the center of this broken relationship, as sin breaks down the space between as grace is given this space becomes holy it becomes sacred it becomes set apart because it's in this space that we truly learn to enact and live out the gospel this cross-shaped enactment of relationship where Jesus says, I, I understand there's sin, but I'm going to freely give grace. I, I understand that sin has broken this relationship. I'm going to freely give grace. And when we do that, when we offer grace as Jesus offers grace, the space between becomes this holy, sacred ground where the world catches a glimpse of what it looks like to live out the gospel. The gospel begins to have feet and legs 
and a mouthpiece. Not just in words that God has forgiven you, but that we have become a forgiven group of sinners who are now forgiving as Jesus forgave us. Because where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So what are the relationships in your life that have been broken down by sin? What are the relationships right now that seem to be stagnant? And where there was once a connection and now it seems to be brokenness. Where does grace in your life need to be offered so that sin can be restored, or the relationship can be restored where sin once stood? See, here's the truth. Someone has to go first. In that relationship that's broken down, someone has to be willing to step into the space between and go first. Someone has to be the first to offer grace. Someone has to be the first to offer forgiveness. Someone has to be the first to say, I'm sorry. Because the gospel The gospel's plan was for a renewed humanity. It was for humanity to be one. And that begins with you and I in every single individual relationship that we have. For some of you, it's a spouse. And you came this morning mad at one another after an argument in the car. And someone has to go first. And some of you yelled at your kids the whole way here, come on, we're going to go love Jesus. And someone has to go first for that relationship to be restored. And for some, it's that co-worker or that classmate, or that friend. But someone has to go first. May we, as followers of Jesus, follow this pattern. And as sin increases, may grace flow from our life more and more. Father, we thank You. And we pray for Your healing and restoration in our relationships. Father, may you enter into the space in between. And may you make it holy and pure because it is an enactment of the gospel. Not an arrogance that we're the bigger person, but Father, simply in humility that this relationship needs grace to be restored. Because Father, it was the grace that was given to us that gives us life, and that resurrected the relationship we had with you. May that grace lived out in our life, that flows from our life, restore and resurrect relationships this day, today, and make this world 
differently. Because of your cross, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.